Father, as, as we gather and we come to, to reflect on you and to, to look at some passages from your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct what is shared and that you would be using it to prick the hearts of those that are here. So I don't know about the rest of you, but sometimes I struggle with my Christian walk becoming dry and routine. It's kind of funny because that came up in the sharing time of how do we not allow that to happen? You know, we were sharing prior to the service about last weekend and when Rob Douglas was here. Um, so I've been seeking different ways over the last two years to, to keep from falling into that rut that routine can allow any and all of us to fall into. Um, having been raised Catholic, I didn't have a great deal of expectation that I felt as far as my role to have a relationship with Christ, with God, with the Holy Spirit. I just went to church once a week. Hey, that's good enough. I'm done. Going home. I see a head nodding that agrees that that's all they were taught to. Um, so I don't know about the rest of you and in, in your faith backgrounds, what you came out of, what was what was taught to you and, and what you were encouraged to do. I know that from doing the, uh, the historical retreat and the church profile and whatnot, the vast majority of us came out of either Catholic backgrounds or Methodist backgrounds. And I mean, it's huge. There's very few from anything else. Um, so, you know, when, when the Holy Spirit started to prick my heart, because He's the one that's responsible for us coming to know Christ, not us. He works on us first. I don't know who, who said the amen, but I'm glad somebody's in agreement. We, we don't get anything. We don't get this. He comes to us and then calls us and woos us to Him. So I didn't know anything really about the Bible, even though I'd been going to church for 20-some years, so I decided to start reading in the book of Revelation. Holy Spirit might have been pricking me, but I didn't have them yet. And that was not a good place to go without somebody to help you interpret. It was a very scary and a couple sleepless nights. But fortunately now, when I read that, I see the joy that comes out of the book of Revelation. All the magnificent glory of Christ portrayed in all the different ways of the churches. And, and it's just a wonderful thing. And to know that we have the ultimate victory in the end. Um, so, as I said a little bit ago, struggling with a Trinitarian God. But, you know, you get an, we can conjure an image of God, the Father. And we can put a face to Christ, whether it's accurate or not, because he walked this earth as a man. But the Holy Spirit is sometimes a little more challenging. But the thing of it is, is He's throughout the Bible. The first mention of the Holy Spirit is in Genesis 1, verse 2. Boy, we didn't get very far before He got mentioned, did we? And in the book of Revelation, Genesis, or in Revelation, it's chapter 1, verse 10. Boom, He's there too. When, when John says that I was in the Spirit on that day, when the revelation of who Christ is and what Christ is going to do was given to him. It's, it's a wonderful thing to see that consistency, and he's throughout. 
Um, back in May, the last time that I spoke, we, we looked at some of the different ways that the Holy Spirit moved on people in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We looked specifically at Samson and how the Holy Spirit was involved in his life from the very beginning. Just as a reminder, Samson's mother was barren. And then the Holy Spirit moved on her. She conceived Samson, bore him, raised him to be a Nazarite. And and the Holy Spirit was upon Samson many times, even after he messed up. Because he was upon him in his last act, bringing down the temple. So, there's hope when we mess up. Um, King Saul... He was upon him in the beginning too, but Saul didn't conduct his life in a way that brought glory to God. He walked away from God and the Spirit of God departed him. So, um, that's, that is an unfortunate real possibility too, that if we don't use caution in how we live our lives, the Spirit won't be upon us in the way that He could be. Um, so 1 Samuel 10, 6-7 is, Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Now when these signs meet you, do what your hands find to do, for God is with you. So that was a very positive thing in the beginning of King Saul's life, speaking to him to do what he was led to do when the Spirit came upon him. But as I just said, just a few chapters later, the Spirit departed from him. Um, Rob last, said last week, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. You know, and, and we must live a life that glorifies Jesus or the Spirit isn't going to feel welcome in our lives. And we must continue to pursue the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and when... When we're pursuing the Spirit and we we have a a welcoming atmosphere in our lives for the Spirit, the Spirit will work in us, maturing us, growing us, and will work through us, moving out to others. And we experienced some of that last weekend, and we will get to hear more of that at the end of the service um, by a personal testimony. Uh, We all know that the Holy that the Spirit influenced the birth of Christ. Um, He came upon Mary as a virgin, caused her to conceive, and and Jesus was born. At the same time, he went and he settled down a rattled Joseph, because I'm sure I would have been a little shocked when my my dearly beloved virgin wife-to-be tells me I'm pregnant. Ah. and, And the Word tells us that he was not in a good place with that until the Spirit sent an angel to speak with him and and calm him down. Um, And and we have the account in Luke 1, 26-38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born. The child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The Holy Spirit has the power to bring... Has, bah, excuse me, let me back up. The Holy Spirit has the ability to bring the power of the spiritual realm into our natural realm. Just like He did with Mary. Just like He did with Elizabeth. Just like He did with uh, Samson's mother. The Spirit... The, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That power isn't gone because there's no more additions to the Bible. Jesus delivered people from possession of of demons. He healed people by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That is still a power that is present that is available. Um, the Spirit can still impact the natural realm today. Um, at some point during the weekend, Rob also reminded us that while Jesus was 100% God, He was still 100% man while He was here, and all that He did was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And He, and he used Ephesians 5.8 to illustrate this, where it says, "...and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery." but be filled with the Spirit. One might say that the more alcohol you drink, the more you surrender to it, and the more it influences you to the point of drunkenness. Likewise, the more you surrender to the Holy Spirit, the more He can influence and empower you to do the work of Jesus. In your own life, in the lives of those around you, whether it's witnessing to them and they don't because they don't know Him, or whether it's them being set free from something that has them trapped or a wound that has just bent their life in such a way that they are handicapped by it. You know, there, there are a few members of our body that, that walk to church, but most of us drive a truck or a car or something like that. So... Let's see if this works. This first slide. If you walk, if you didn't walk and you drove a car or truck to church, would you be willing to trade it in for this? See, I got to show my kids some old cartoons because they're like, what is this? Do you want to give up that car, that truck that's sitting out there with a motor in it that drives you for foot power to get here? That to me is kind of like us before Christ. We're muddling our way through life on our own. You know, we, we accept Jesus and we get a measure of the Spirit. But we'll talk about in Acts how there's a, a constant filling and refilling. 
or, you know, so you accept Christ. Would you rather this? It's a, it's a step up from the Flintstones, you know, four heel power. But uh, it's, it's not the greatest thing. So you, you, you go deeper with Christ. You know, you, you start to seek him and, and he starts to indwell you more. And you get another upgrade. Whoop, back up one. Got a preview there. So you, you step up a grade. You go from the old Datsun to a new truck. You know, you're getting more and more of the Spirit moving in your life. Or what would it be like to be fully surrendered? Maybe we could move some mountains and, and really advance the kingdom and, and make some things happen. Um, make some things happen like happened last week where three of our fellow believers that, that come here were freed from some things that have troubled them and tried them for the biggest part of their life. Or, you know, maybe it's the opposite of the old anti-drug saying. I mean, when we were kids in the 80s, this is your brain, an egg, and this is your brain on drugs being fried. Maybe it's, this is, you know, this is your life before Christ. And maybe this is your life on the Holy Spirit. You know, it's... Uh, my whole point today is, is we, had a, we had an incredible time last weekend where if you had the time available that you could dedicate, then you could get closer to the Holy Spirit. And, you know... Maybe he didn't hit you right then, but maybe he's going to get you a little bit later when, when you're willing to give up a little more and draw a little closer to him. Um, I want to I share a little bit from a book called Hosting the Presence by Bill Johnson. And, and please, after the, uh, after the second sentence, don't, don't close your ears. Keep open. Because he's going to make an admission here that some of us, and myself admittedly a few years ago, would have went, yeah, I'm done. I'm done listening. So please bear with me. This is this little short section he calls Stewarding the Relationship. I remember as a young man hearing someone talk about being full of the Spirit. Having strong Pentecostal roots, I didn't consider this a new subject. But when I heard taught, what I heard taught that day was new. The man of God simply spoke of two verses neither of which referred to the baptism in the Spirit. It's not as much in my heart to make a doctrinal statement right now as it is to make a relational statement. These two verses are guidelines. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, Ephesians 4.30, and do not quench the Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. This simple insight took my focus from the expressions of the, the Spirit, gifts, and shifted them to what the Holy Spirit actually felt because of me. And the more I walk with the Holy Spirit, the more my priorities shift to contribute to, his rela to this relationship. This opens up new realms in walking with God that I had not considered. To not grieve the Holy Spirit is a command focused on the issue of sin. In thought, attitude, or action... Grieve is a word that means to cause sorrow or distress. It describes the pain the heart of the Holy Spirit can feel because of something we would do 
or allow in our lives. It is character-centered. This is a boundary that must have the attention of anyone who is interested in hosting his presence more powerfully. To not quench the Holy Spirit is a command that zeroes in on the co-laboring aspect of our relationship. The word quench means to stop the flow of. The original language defines it as to extinguish or put out. This word brilliantly uses two metaphors to illustrate this connection with God. To stop the flow could be illustrated by bending a garden hose in half until the water no longer flows from it while extinguishing portrays the passion part of our walk with God. To lose passion for God always affects our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to flow from us to change circumstances around us. This verse is power-centered. Sometimes, see what happens when there's something there. <laughs> uh, some, sometimes there is something in our life that is grieving the spirit and keeps us from being able to press deeper in. Is there something you need to give up? Rob shared that often the Lord wakes him up in the middle of the night, and he gives up sleep to spend time with the Lord. As I endeavored to to draw closer to the Lord the last couple of years, I've experienced this some. I'd like to experience it more because honestly, when God wakes me up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and I spend a couple of hours with Him, I may as well slept in until 8 or 9 because the next day I'm I'm rip-rare and ready to go. That little bit of time with Him in the morning when He calls and I, I obey and I listen, it's like plugging me into 220. Some people would probably think I was Nathaniel. There's nothing that's going to slow me down that day. I'm going. Um, maybe the Lord wants you to give up a hobby. I have a very good friend and a brother who is at home in the woods more than anywhere else. He used to hunt archery, rifle season, spring gobbler, and probably everything else you could hunt too. He was desiring to draw closer to the Lord some time back. And he shared with myself and some other guys that he felt the Lord was thwarting his efforts when it came to hunting. Didn't matter how much time he put into it, how much preparation he put into it. He went to the woods and he came back empty. He backed off the hunting for a number of years and the result was growing closer with the Lord. And has continued to grow and draw closer and closer in the years since. Now, a number of years ago, there was something that the Lord asked me to give up too. And it's a little silly, so I'm not going to get into it exactly, but I gave it up, and I thought it was going to be really a hard thing to do, a real struggle. But when I gave it up, I felt like a monkey was taken off my back. But in the last couple of years, the Lord has given it back. And it's a huge blessing because my kids join me in it. Hopefully they don't put it in the wrong place like I did initially because they are thrilled by it. And it has allowed us to make new friends and 
to express God's love to people, even simply by praying with them or speaking of His goodness in our lives. So maybe God is asking you to give something up so that you can get closer. Maybe you haven't heard Him tell you what it is because, like me, you're afraid to ask what it would take to let you get closer. What if there's not something in the way like that? Something's out of place in your life that's wrong. But what if it's your passion has died down, your fire has become an ember instead of a raging inferno? Um, will you ask him to rekindle it and make it hot? I mean, maybe you don't even realize it's not raging. And it's just a pile of ash. It's slowly fading away and, and losing its heat. Living with the Holy Spirit is not a once and done experience that happens when you accept Christ as your Savior. In Acts 2, the disciples experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time at Pentecost in an in a overwhelming way. Peter was emboldened to preach. Thousands came to the knowledge of Christ. The you know gifts were dispensed. And then the book keeps going. And you see that a couple of the disciples are brought, brought in for questioning. And they speak boldly to the officials. And when they leave, where do they go? They go to a prayer meeting. What happens at the prayer meeting? The Spirit comes and fills them again. It's, it, like I said, it's not once and done. Um When you're on this journey, it's it's something that you have to keep pursuing. We have to keep pursuing Jesus so that we can proclaim and build. If we're not pursuing Him, we're pro- proclaiming yesterday's blessing. Um, are you content where you're at? Because... I don't think we should be content. There's more. I mean, in the time of sharing, Ron started talking about something that happened with us 14 years ago when we first, him and myself and Bill, started trying to figure out what it meant to get closer to God. And it's the same now. I mean, we went to Colorado three or four times um, Ron and myself and some others have went to similar things from last weekend in other places in Western PA. And it doesn't matter. Every time you go, God is there. Every time you go, and you don't have to go somewhere. You don't have to go to Colorado. You don't have to go to Butler or Greenville or wherever the heck the other place was. You just have to go. And you have to be willing to ask for more. Are you willing? Do you want more? I do. You gotta love kids. Aaron walks up as me as behind me as I'm preparing the, the slides last night, and he go, and he sees this slide and he goes, "Dad, that's not right." I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "We're supposed to be content, and that's greedy to ask for more." 
I'm willing to be greedy. I want more because I know God can give us all, all that we want and more, and there's still going to be lots of God left. Right? So, were you paying attention? Did you figure out what those slides meant now? Because he asked me, I said, well, pay attention tomorrow. Maybe you'll figure it out. So, now, let's not be content, folks. Let's go deeper. Kath, there you are. You're hiding back there. Kath is going to come and share a little bit about how the Holy Spirit met with her last weekend. So when John asked me to talk, I'm like, okay, I, I kind of want to do this, but, you know, nervous gets, nerves gets and stuff like that. But, you know, if I'm talking from my heart, that's all that matters. So anyway, just, man, last Sunday, God, I'm going to cry already. Ah, <laughs> it's okay. But God just delivered me from so much. And um, a lot of people don't know this, but the ones who do, they, they, they know. <laughs> I have struggled with not being able to receive God's love for me um, for forever. <laughs> I mean, I would have some breakthroughs. I'm like, okay, yeah, God loves me. I feel this. I get this. But honestly, there was a block. Um, and it wasn't because I'm like, oh, God's bad. It's more like it's for everybody else. It's for everybody but me because whatever, I'm worthless or whatever. And as a result of that, um, uh, condemnation and self-hatred have been the results of that, that I've struggled and battled with for years. And again, sometimes I'd have victories, but others would bring me so down, so dark, so deep. And um, when we had the, the deliverance time, um, never experienced anything like that. I was definitely a little apprehensive, but um, we were going through the questions, and we're supposed to sense inside of us if we heard anything other than, you know, good answers like that, you know, it's from the Spirit, like, you know, good stuff. And one of the questions was, um, what is your purpose on this person's life? And the first thing was fear. That was the very first thing I felt. I saw the word. I just, oh my goodness. And and then it says, is, do you want, is it your desire for the love of God to be in this person's heart? And it was like a resounding no. <laughs> and so Rob had us come and the, the three of us who had things and he came and he, you know, we dealt with the stuff. And I, I'll tell you, the spirit of fear is gone. My brother-in-law is a pastor, and I would go to him so many times, and he'd always say, Kath, you got to accept his love. you got to accept it. You can't give it unless you accept it. And I'm like, okay, what is holding me back? And then I realized it was fear. And I'm like, okay, how do I get beyond this? Where did this come from? I have no idea. And Sunday is the answer. Uh, it, yeah, it was this thing that I've been holding on forever. And it wasn't fear like, oh, fear. But it was fear like, God does not love me. I mean, how could he? You know, and I... I just could not press in and get deeper beyond that. And, you know, God just, wow, I just am blown away at what he did because I didn't know what the, the key was, the, the missing key. And it, it was this whole fear spirit thing. And, yeah, I don't know what to say, but with that song, Fierce, 
like I was sharing today, seriously, that is God how confirmed what he did in my heart. Um, he, he loves us. He loves me. And I didn't know Mark was going to have a sing fierce, just putting it out there. <laughs> and he got me again when we start, started singing No Longer Slaves because those two songs all week have been my songs. And when we're singing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm not. I'm a child of God. And when it came to the but you split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. Oh, my goodness, you think? Uh, <laughs> on Monday, tidal wave versus Saiyan. If that's not being swept away, I, I, I don't know. And I know it's not for me. It's not be like, oh, I feel so loved now. You know, but it's what am I going to do with that? You know, and we are to go out and we are to be light and we are to be loved. This world is full of so much garbage and people are in so much hurt and pain. And because of this love that he has given us, we are to give. And so we can bring healing, freedom, freedom, healing and life. Sorry, I get it right. But man, I experienced that, Ron. Freedom, healing, life. I was just praising that God on Monday through the fierce song. I'm like, yes, I know what that means now. I can honestly say that I have it. And so I, I just encourage you, open up yourself to God's love because he will not let you down. He will pursue you like he did me for all these years. And like, I'm not going to give up a calf. I, I don't care her doubts, her fears. I love her. And I'm going to keep coming at her and make her uncomfortable in a way that she never thought it would happen because, you know, she's a little skeptical of this charismatic Christ, you know, Holy Spirit stuff and whatnot. But he came, he broke through, and we're to be light. And the verse that just kept coming to me all these years, perfect love casts out fear. I get it now. I didn't tell you this, but I have two questions for you. They're easy questions. Are you content? Content? No. (laughs) Yes and no. How's that? (laughs) I'm more content than I was, but I want more. Are you willing to ask for more? Oh, definitely, without a doubt. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Don't be content and ask for more. That's it. I'm done. If you're willing to ask for more and you're not content, Come and ask for more. 